I started speaking it out loud. That was my one of my first things I started doing. So during the pandemic, I don't have to love parenting. This is hard and I don't like it. And I would just voice it out loud to myself or to a friend. I know I've said it to Amy before, like, I, I don't like this today or this week or this month. And I don't have to. And it's hard. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. We are excited to welcome Alicia Shepard back to the podcast. Alicia was way back on episode 11. She's a stay-at-home mama of two little ones. Alicia and I are personal friends, and one thing I really admire about her is her honesty. We've formed this relationship where we can divulge our stresses without having to follow up and immediately say, but I'm so thankful for my kids. We can just sit in our things together, and we know sometimes There isn't advice for what the other one is going to. It's just a listening ear that is more helpful. So Alicia, tell us a little bit about yourself for those that haven't met you yet or for those that need a refresher. Thank you guys for having me back. It's such a pleasure. Um, I am, as Amy said, Alicia, and I am a wife to Tom, a mom of two, as she mentioned. I am a former teacher. Um, Now I've been at home with my kiddos for... Goodness, coming up on four years. So um, just like all of you that probably listen, I am a flawed person just trying to do my best and um, lead with my heart with with all that I do. Such a good overview there. And in episode 11, which we recorded, it's been about a year now since we were recorded, since we were sitting down here in our studio recording with you. And at that point, we talked about your youngest babe, Cohen, and how challenging his infant season was because he had colic at that time. So give us an update on how the rest of the baby year went for you guys. Yeah, it's been a year. It's been a year for everyone, I think. It's, gosh, uh, exactly a year ago I was here recording. And two weeks later, my youngest son, Cohen, who was four months at the time, had RSV. And we took a an emergency ambulance ride to the hospital for RSV. And then a week later, COVID hit just a week after our ambulance ride. And I really spiraled. My anxiety, which I didn't even know was a thing, postpartum anxiety was not on my radar. My marriage really took a hit this last year. And things were just, I mean, they've been really hard. I'll I'll never forget, I was rocking my son. He was six months old, so just a couple months into the pandemic. And I was listening to a podcast and Psyched Mommy was on it. Asherina Reem, uh, Dr. Reem. So she was on it and talking about what postpartum anxiety might look like in real life, what it could look like. And some of the things she would say, she was talking and, and every single one of them was me. Um, and some things I was struggling with at the time, just not sleeping at night when my babies were sleeping, my mind wouldn't stop. It was just racing, racing, racing. I was fixating on things that when would he need to eat next? How long was he going to sleep? these images would come into my head of my kids, something happening to them, things, them getting hurt. And I couldn't stop the images. They just kept 
coming and, and they would continue on. And so everything that she was talking about with postpartum anxiety was what I was feeling. And I remember going to Tom shortly after that and saying, I might look okay, but I'm actually not okay at all. And so, yeah, it's been a year. It's been a year. Um, and I, I started therapy, which was amazing. So that has been my, my year in a nutshell. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us and our listeners. I'm tearing up over here because I think it's it's not an uncommon experience, but not everyone is talking about this and having this conversation out loud. And I think the context of you, this mom that's willing to come on and have this conversation is so important. It gives that side of it. We have a lot of experts on talking about anxiety, but the the real words from a mom that has been walking through it are so important. It, Alicia and I talked a lot this year. I remember some of these conversations that we've been having on Voxer. And in one of them, you told me, I told Tom, if we decide to have another child, we have to go to therapy. We have to go to therapy proactively because the baby year is so hard on our marriage each time. And I'd want us to be prepared for that. So can you speak to the struggles that the two of you face during the baby year? Again, I think this is just another conversation that people don't have out loud. Yeah, Ooh, the baby year. We struggle so hard. And I think it's a lot of things. I've been thinking a lot about this. I think for us, sleep deprivation, it just creeps into every area of our life. We struggle when we're not sleeping well. We can, our, our well-oiled machine of a team is not, is not doing so great. So uh, we struggle a lot. We struggle with having regular sex. Our sex life just plummeted, I would say. Tom would agree. And I felt so, so exhausted, so unappreciated, so demanded. And so I had a really hard time at the end of the night wanting to be physical with Tom or even having any ounce of energy to just shower, let alone be intimate with my husband. So, And when he's not getting that fulfilled in his life, he has a really hard time showing me how he loves me and how he cares for me. And so it's just this, it was a cycle that we could not break. And like I said, when we don't sleep, we, we're not our best self. We struggle with criticism and resentment from my end, anger. Yeah. And then I would get mad too. Some of my thoughts were like, how doesn't he know I need this? How does he not know that I'm needing a break from the kids or that I need him to give me a compliment so that we can have a good like rest of our day? Um, and so, yeah, when we're not sleeping, it trickles into into every part of our life. One can come out as that resentment. It can come out as that yeah. defensiveness. But all you're asking for is help. Like, I just need some help. But it comes across as these different emotions that just we've been pushing them down for so long. And we do want our partners to know, hey, just help me. Like, I just need to be loved. But that's not how it always comes out. Exactly. And I would say one of our strengths is our communication. We say what we feel. We say what we need. But the delivery is our struggle. So it would come out exactly like what you're saying. I'm like, can you just help me? And he would be like, you know, 
well, you're not like, I feel so unfulfilled. Like we're not having sex. So how can I fulfill? Like it was just anger and frustration. So our delivery is something we really struggle with. Um, and we're working on that. We're all working on something, right? Yes. So you brought this up earlier, but you were going about your way, enjoying that stay-at-home mama role for the most part, and then all of a sudden, COVID hits. And I think for a lot of the public, the reaction was, what even changed for you when they were thinking about stay-at-home moms? So can you talk through these changes and what they brought about for you in the pandemic and why it impacted stay-at-home moms as well as everyone else? Yeah. So my I went back and listened to episode 11, my first episode, and <laughs> I I talked a lot about I wrote down what made me happy in my role as a stay-at-home mom or happy, keys to happiness in the workplace and how, I, how it applied to me as a stay-at-home mom. And a huge part of that, if not the biggest, was seeing other adults and having a structure to our, our day that included outings. So playgroup, library story time, music class together, going to parks. And then just like everyone experienced, all of those things were stripped away and shut down. And those were my lifeline. I, I think the first couple of months, I we just were all hunkered down. Nobody was seeing each other. and But then I got to this point where I was like, I can't keep doing like this in my home, staring at the same walls. Something has to change. But nobody was seeing each other. So I actually talked to my therapist about, I just said, what can I do? How do I, you know, and we talked about, we talked through ways that I could kind of open up the bubble and and what I needed. Um, so I would, again, just like I mentioned in episode one, I would go and I would write things down. Okay, so what do I need to be happy getting out of the house? And what could I do even in the pandemic that included that? Maybe it was just seeing going to my in-laws house or seeing our family, but I still tried to include ways that I could find happiness. And I was realizing a lot of the times when I when we weren't doing those things, it was coming out as, again, like I mentioned, resentment, anger, frustration. And I would always go back to my drawing board. I, I like to write things down. I'm a person who writes stuff. I need to see it. And I would write down, like, what what's lacking here? What am I missing? What's Is there an answer that I can – do I need a break from the kids? Do I need to get out of the house? Do I need a shower alone? And I'd always try to go back to what I needed and what, what could make things better for us. Yeah, I think – it was hard. And Alicia and I had these conversations when things shut down. Like I've got I got to see Abby for a lot of the mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So it was like I had a friend and I had that connection. But Drew and I kept a very, very small bubble. And so sometimes when I was talking to my stay at home mom friends and they wanted to be in the bubble, I was like, the thing is, I am trying my best to keep my kids in daycare. Like, I don't want to be exposed to anyone that isn't for work because I really cannot handle trying to work from home with my kids. So I think what we wanted to bring onto the podcast today was just a little understanding from both sides. Like, we can understand each other's struggles. Abby and I have always thought, like, let's unite women around this topic. Like, let us not divide stay-at-home moms or work-from-home moms and working moms. Like, let's figure out, we all, we have common struggles. There's so much more common ground than there is a need to compare or put each other's down. So that was just a reminder to, you know, really extend grace and kindness 
towards people that are in a different role than you. I wanted to to talk today about the balance of staying at home, but maybe wanting something outside of motherhood. We have some news to share with you guys today because Alicia has become our first herself employee. Mm -hmm. She is who you will be talking to if you message us on a Tuesday for Community Share Day. So I thought this was the perfect question for you because you took that on. You have loved that role. Like, What is the balance there between wanting something outside of being a mom? Yeah, I, gosh, if this year taught me anything, it's that, of course, my kids matter, but my marriage matters and I matter too. So if the ship goes down for myself, it goes down for my family too. And that is, it felt like a heavy burden to carry. Um, But the more I started thinking about what made my soul come alive, the more I kept coming back to being a support for others, whether that's my kids or other moms, or I should say, and other moms. So in this journey, I've just been humbled time and time again. And um, I have a passion for my kids, but I also have a passion for connecting and connecting other moms. So yeah, so that's kind of how it all came about. And I would voice this to you, Amy, and yeah, yeah. And just voicing those things like I, I love being a mom and I love being with other women and connecting people. And I love life, life stories and I love hearing life experiences. And so so that's how all this kind of came into play. And it's really interesting because I think there are just so many women out there that have incredible skills and talents. And I think small businesses could really greatly benefit from reaching out to their own communities when they have a role that would play to women's strength. So I know for Expecting and Empowered, we've hired another mom, a stay-at-home mom, because she was so passionate about what we were doing. And Alicia had always had in my ear, if you guys ever hire, I would love if you considered me. So just a plug of like, stay-at-home moms have so much incredible talent. And if you want something other than staying home, there might be like these little opportunities. And just seeing how excited you are about it, talking to you on Tuesdays and throughout the week, it just lights you up. It's like, I love that we were able to give an opportunity like that to you, but you are serving our community in such big ways. So I just want to say a huge thank you for that again. And I know we touched on this last time, but this year, especially this last year, the burden of doing it all hit women really, really hard. And a lot of spouses were working from home for the very first time. So there was that added pressure of you know, please keep the kids quiet at noon. I have a very important call. Or you would see your spouse coming into the kitchen for a coffee break. It interrupts the entire flow of your of your day. Like dad's here or mom's here. Like this is so exciting. Let's play. But then that parent really couldn't offer that much help because maybe they were between meetings or had other things to do. So is Tom working from home right now? He is. Okay. Yes. So did you, did you guys experience this at all? We absolutely did. Um, again, it took a while to set in, I think. So at first, because of my anxiety, it was a relief that he was home. A lot of my anxious thoughts dealt around my health or my kids' health. I felt like this lifeline for them. And so I would obsess about like my own health. So just having Tom home, another person there, another adult, if I knew if anything happened to either any of us, he was there. And I felt the sense of security. But as time went on and the pandemic continued, we faced 
every, you know, just like you're saying, those exact things. And it was really hard. I'd get so frustrated because he'd come down for coffee and be smiling and get his (laughs) cup of coffee. And the kids are like, daddy, daddy. And then he'd be like, gotta go, guys, back to my desk. And I just felt this like resentment and anger and frustration building. And because he was, I was seeing him physically instead of him just being in the office and knowing he was at a desk, I was seeing it. And I was the one that I was corralling the kids downstairs. And so must be nice to go back with your coffee over there. (laughs) Yes, those comments came out and it just felt so unfair. And I, I was just angry. Um, But we have a couple, we've set up a couple things that are really working for us. So after he's done with work, especially when in, in the seasons where I'm really struggling, which is, it's been the past couple of months, he will take the kids for 15 or 20 minutes, either on a walk, take them to the playroom. And I, I have the quiet moment to just kind of come down from the day and process. I mean, I never have a minute alone. So it was really nice that we kind of built this in. And then also he's really triggered by seeing the mess of the house when he comes down for his coffee break. And he's, he would say these comments to me, just these one-off comments that would make me so angry, like just about the house. He's like, oh, it's just such a mess. What are you guys doing? Can you clean up? And so instead of those little comments, we are working on talking in private later on if things are bothering us or if I'm feeling frustrated or, and resentful. We, we're talking in private now <laughs> about those things. I told you, I'm like, you can keep that to yourself. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that, buddy. Um, I think one thing that you do a really good job of is realizing that you are important. One of our huge things on herself is to tell women like self-care isn't a luxury. This is a true necessity. Stay-at-home moms, I feel like, have the hardest time carving time out for just themselves. So I want to ask you, how do you find time for just Alicia? Yeah, I had this idea that self-care, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was just in my head, if it was things I was seeing, but I had this idea that self-care needed to be this big chunk of time away. But in the newborn phase, in the first year, in the little people years, it doesn't always look like that. So I went back to what makes me happy. I went back to my drawing board, what makes me happy. And I would just write down some things that I loved. So for me, in the beginning months of newborn days and baby days, a shower, a shower alone with the hottest water to just scorch my skin, steam up the whole <laughs> bathroom, can't hear any screaming. Um, that was self-care for me. And and that was what I did. Um, and then I want to touch on this too because I think it's so important. I felt really trapped by my anxiety. So I knew I needed these breaks, but I didn't know how I could get it or build in time for me. I felt so anxious about leaving my kids, my my colicky baby with mm. anyone else. And so I felt really like I knew I needed it. My brain knew that. But then I felt so trapped by my anxiety. And so one thing I started doing and it seems so small, but it was self-care for me in this season, is just like, okay, give Tom the baby or whoever was the, my, my mother-in-law, whoever, walk outside of the door so you can't see them and just take some deep breaths or like take in the air outside. That was self-care for me in the beginning. And I would build up from that 
to like taking a walk by myself or going for a hike by myself. But I just felt really trapped by my anxiety um, initially. And I knew I needed the break, but I didn't know how to, to build that in. When that anxiety can feel debilitating, like when you're in it and when you're one of, in one of those episodes, it can feel like you can't do anything else besides get out of your own thoughts. Like that right there is a step. So I love how you went through the details of like, this is my first step. This is my second step, because sometimes you literally can't do that big chunk of time. It's just one step right in front of you. Yeah. And something as simple as putting on your shoes and putting on your jacket and stepping out, opening the front door, like envisioning what that looks like and then closing it on the other side. And and then in the beginning, it was like two minutes for me. Like I just needed to continue to build up to that. And it was hard. It just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm the one that, the only one that can kind of soothe his, like his colic. And so I would fixate on that. Like he, they're going to be frustrated. Whoever's caring for him doesn't know how to do it. And and so on and so forth. So so now do you take a little bit longer of breaks? Yes. So Cohen, my youngest, is 16 months. And there is, yes, when we, for some reason, something in me, uh, once they hit a year and we kind of are easing out of the breastfeeding and they're just a little more independent, I really, I can like take a deep breath. Um, and I've, I'm able, especially the last like month or two, I've been able to build in some bigger breaks, longer time away, which has been so good for all of us. I've seen you taking your walks in like the most beautiful parts of Wisconsin. I'm like, oh yes, Alicia, that looks so nice right now. Yeah. I've tried to just build them in on like my husband's home on the weekend. So when can I build in an hour or two by myself to go for a hike and or go, yeah, get a pedicure, manicure, just little things that are, but are big things for me. We're going to take a quick break here and bring up our one of our podcast partners, which is Gooder Sunglasses. So Gooder just celebrated their sixth year of being in business, which is so exciting. I think I've been part of, I think I've been wearing their glasses for that entire You're the time. Abby <laughs> was their first customer. You guys, the trend came from me. It's all from me. But it's just so cool to be able to work with a partner that we love so much, that we've been using so much. And one thing that I have recently done, so I didn't realize this for the first like five years, but if your sunglasses break in the first year, guys, the return policy is amazing. So my lenses get scratched all the time because the kids just love to play with them. Sometimes the glasses will break. You can go ahead and just replace the lenses. They'll send them to you for free within the first year, which is absolutely amazing. I've never had a sunglass company do that and do it so quickly. They're already such a good price and such a good value, but Herself listeners do get an added value. So 15% off this month with code HERSELF at checkout. Again, that's gooder.com. G-O-O-D-R dot com and use code herself at checkout for 15% off. So back to the episode, you brought her up at the beginning with Dr. Reem. She's one of our favorite mental health therapists, and she talks about the idea of it takes a village. And she said in her experience, well, where the hell is this village? (laughs) And is this something that you've experienced? Think about this in COVID times, but also in non-pandemic times. Where has this been coming up? Yeah, this question makes me emotional because my expectation versus reality of what my village would be is so different. My family lives far away. And like you said, COVID complicated things a lot. And I felt I've never felt more demanded and needed, but never felt so alone in just doing life. Like it was so much easier when I didn't have kids to, you know, 
drop things on a dime and go meet with a friend or whatever. But I I felt, yeah, I just felt really, I feel very demanded. And I also feel like I really need the support. So some things I started doing because I love I love my list um, and even just speaking it out loud. I started speaking it out loud. That was my one of my first things I started doing. So during the pandemic, I don't have to love parenting. This is hard and I don't like it. And I would just voice it out loud to myself or to a friend. I know I've said it to Amy before. Like, I I don't like this today or this week or this month. And I don't have to. And it's hard. But I reached out to a friend and a family who I, who are a little closer and just said I need support. And I've just tried to voice the like, I'm struggling. Here's how I could use some help, which I think is really hard. Sometimes we don't know what we need or how someone can help us. But I think people oftentimes want to help. They just don't know how or exactly what you need. So yeah, voicing those concerns, speaking them out loud. Um, and then uh, one thing, this sounds so small, but it's it really changed my perspective is um, just like I would like to have community or I would like using the terms I would like to instead of I need community. I need support now. And like just ref- a reframe. I, I would really like to have some community and how can I how can I get that or how can I build that um, has been a game changer for me. Do you think this question just came to me? It's off script. But do you think that for stay at home moms or stay at home partners and then their partner, their marriage, there's like this added level of like you don't have coworkers to go talk to all day. And when I was on maternity leave, which is much different, much shorter, Drew was like my lifeline. Like he would come home and I would chat his ear off and he'd be like, he was overwhelmed from his work day. And then he was like my emotional support person. And I could just see where that would get challenging because for you guys, it's not three months or six months. It's like, this is, this is a prolonged period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, oh, it's been hard because I think I mentioned it before, but when my marriage isn't going the greatest and Tom's my only person I have, but we don't really want to necessarily be around each other. Um, that's been really another challenge of COVID. It's like, okay, he's my lifeline. He's my support, but we're not getting along. We're not functioning well on no sleep. We're kind of like at each other's throats. But yeah, it, it's, it was really, it was just a yeah, it's been a really hard year. And, and I do, I did feel really alone. I know I feel like a lot of stay at home moms maybe feel, felt this, but aren't voicing it or don't know where to voice it to or who to talk to. But yeah, and like you said, that that longevity of it, there's no end in sight for me. I really struggle with that. Like, I don't have a, in the fall, I'm starting a new job or, you know, like there's no switch up. There's no, there's nothing. It's just, this is it for me. So that's when I would voice stuff to you, Amy, like, okay, what do I love? What makes me, me? And what can I do to to bring some of that joy into my life? And not that I don't, like I said, I love being a mom, but I also need to take care of me. And I have, I have interests and hobbies too. So what were like the most helpful things that your therapist said to you or prompted to you? Because I think a lot of stay at home moms. Okay. First of all, Abby and I love therapy. (laughs) We we like praise it all the time. But like from your perspective, you're a stay at home mom. I imagine she might have given you some helpful prompts for other women that stay at home. 
Like concerning what, just in general or? Yeah, like just in general, is there any way? I know mine helps me with my communication with Drew. We have our own set of issues. She's like, okay, because I get triggered by Drew's type A personality and his little comments he makes about the house. And so when we were at the session together, she's like, okay, Drew, it's also an option that you don't have to voice those things out loud. Like, yes, there's some feedback that you can give, but like if you're you could just shut a cabinet and not tell your partner that the cabinet's open. Every single issue doesn't need to be brought to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So she said so. I mean, I I did months of therapy um, for my anxiety, but she also gave me tips for marriage and I would ask questions. She would it's again, sounds so simple, but she would ask me, well, have you voiced that to Tom? And I would say, well, yeah, I angrily. (laughs) Oh, I let him know. (laughs) He's aware, but it might, it might not be. And she would, and I would say, can you tell me how, like, what I could say to him that would be better? And she said that first, find a time where he's going to be able to receive it better. So maybe not in the moment when the kids are screaming Mm -hmm. at my legs or his legs, like right when he finishes work, isn't going to be the best time to really work through some stuff. So that was one of the things. Timing is everything. And then um, she gave me just like the basic, which wasn't basic for me because I was just trying to tell him how I thought would be best, which was coming out as anger, um, using like I feel Mm -hmm. and putting an emotion in there. I feel really anxious. So she would say, I use I feel and then your emotion. I feel sad or frustrated or anxious. And then just lead with that. And then you can add in the because later, but we just needed that first prompt. And then I really feel like, Tom, if I was putting my emotion in, he was receiving it better instead of just coming out as anger and resentment. Well, and it really can be that simple. It can be as simple as picking the right timing, which yes. I, I screw up on that one all the time. Sorry, babe. Sorry, Colin. Out there. I screw that one up a lot. So thank you for that reminder. And then number two, making it simple, bringing it back to your feelings and how it's actually how it's going into your life that way. Yeah. And then using another one I just thought of is that she would say, acknowledge him first. So I I know you had a really long work day and then use and. And I had a really long work day too and I'm feeling really exhausted. And then ask for help. Like, could I take 10 minutes? Or, but instead of just being like, I'm so exhausted, can you just take the kids? And that wasn't, wasn't. Yeah. You know, because when I sit over here, I'm just hearing it just feels so hard because the day is so full with little kids. And so when we have these places that we need to work on with our partners, picking the right time, that's actually hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wake up when my kids wake up. There's no window of time. We have a daycare scramble. I go to work and I'm just envisioning so so lately, Drew and I, we have a lunch break together where we can be very calm. You guys don't have that. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like part of the issue for stay at home, the stay at home parent is like the window of opportunities for A, anytime alone, B, anytime with solid attention from your spouse seems so minimal. Yeah. And that's really hard because Tom really needs me, all of me to operate well. And he felt in this last year, very last place. So he would say, you take care of the kids and you're awesome at it. Or we'd have these talks and then he'd say, and then it's you. So he said, it's our two kids, then you, because you're trying to survive, like shower, you know, 
take a hot shower alone. And then he's like, I'm last. I'm dead last. And in some ways, it's true because our kids are just, they're so little and they need so much of us. But that was really hard. We didn't. And at the end of the night, it's like we're so burnt out that having these talks felt like a place that we couldn't mentally like go to because we were so exhausted. But we needed to. We needed to more than ever. But we couldn't bring ourselves to like have these big life talks. And so things were just festering. Yeah. The therapist Kate Borsato, who was on our podcast, they were at that point where they've they have two two little girls and they were thinking of a third child and her husband said, I can't come after another person. Like I'm last on your list. I don't think I can come after another person. Yeah. And that's exactly where we are right now. We're we don't know if we can mentally, physically have more. I think we always envisioned we'd have a bigger family with more kids, but we're just we're just in the trenches. I guess I feel like we just ran a marathon and we're not quite prepared to go back into that. Which we need some granola bars. <laughs> we need some Gatorade. This is like <laughs> we're like coming out of that those trenches. You know, I talked about it in episode one. Like we call them the trenches. The 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 first year post baby just really hard for us. We really struggle. And I I have friends that do amazing. Like they feel stronger than ever as a team that first year post baby. And I think we were the opposite. We sh- like have never had a, a ch- more challenging year with our second. I think, and again, it's like baby personality plays into right. it too, but then pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of people go through the same things, but maybe we're just not talking about it. I don't know. Well, and that just goes to say that on either side, you're not alone. Like if you love that first year and the toddler years are really tough, you're not alone there. Or if you're with Alicia right here where that first year can put such a damper on your marriage that's really difficult too, but you're not alone there. And we do want to remind you, I feel like all of our ads could be just, an, or all of our episodes could be an entire BetterHelp ad because we talk about therapists so much. But we do have a partnership with BetterHelp. And so BetterHelp will give you 10% off your first month. You can meet with your partner. You can meet by yourself. There are over a million people subscribed. And every single day, they're gaining more traction and helping more people out. This is a really tough time for a lot of families, not just for women, but for their partners as well. And we want to make sure that you're getting the support that you need when you need it. So if you go to betterhelp.com backslash herself, you will get 10% off your first month. Again, betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com backslash herself for 10% off your first month. One thing that I really enjoy about our friendship is that you're a stay-at-home mom. I'm a working mom. We confide in each other, our struggles, give each other space to have those struggles. It's never a like, oh, well, if you worked, you would, you know, understand it's never like that. It's support. So being your friend, I also know that you have a lot of joy with what (laughs) you do. And I know that this episode has been hard. We've brought up some hard subjects. Alicia's had a hard year. I've mentioned it a hundred times. I've had a hard year. No one is alone in that. But I would love to ask you about your greatest joys as a stay-at-home mom. What keeps you going after a hard day? (laughs) Can't talk about this without getting emotional. Um, Just seeing my kids explore and grow and learn about the world around them is really priceless. 
and getting a front row seat. I mean, any mom, whether you're a working mom or a stay-at-home mom, you have the front this front row seat into these little people who are going to turn into big people and do big things. And I just, I find so much joy in that. It's really hard and it's really challenging and there's a lot of joy. And yeah, I am. I do try to see the bright things and bright spots in every day, but a lot of things like just having a coffee in the morning and watching them play or having them learn something new, even if it's something that seems so pointless and seamless outside or inside. But um, yeah, that keeps me going. And then I can't let it pass by without acknowledging my husband, who we've had the hardest year, but he's my biggest support. And still knowing that I can give him a hug and say, this has been a really hard year and we're still standing. We're still doing it. Keeps me going. <laughs> I'm crying. Because <laughs> it's true. It's like it's a hard year and I'm still here. Like I'm still here for you. Yeah, we made it through, guys. We made it through. We don't know what's to come in the next couple of weeks or couple of months, but we made it through a really, really hard year. Alicia, it is always such a pleasure. Now we're gonna be choked up in this last part here, guys, but we are so excited that you're officially herself's first employee and we can't wait to see just what's to come in the future. And that really includes how we can best support our stay-at-home mom community. Alicia, you are a huge part in that, like a huge part in that. So please tell everyone where they can find more of you besides on Tuesdays, but where can they find <laughs> more of you personally? Thank you guys for always opening the the conversation hard good bad beautiful just feel really honored to be a part of this and you can find me at on instagram at more mamacita so it's more and then mama c-i-t-a thank you again so much and if you want more of alicia she is on in episode 11 we talk about some of the same things but we go into a whole lot more pre-pandemic what life looks like in that first year so thank you again for being here with us it's an honor (laughs) 